بودكاست عن ريما جابر عند بدمي تداي نيكي شفيرلا الثياتر ميكر فاسيليتيتر اكبيتي وركر عند كوميونيتي انجيجد ارتست هو اولسو واز دي ارتستيك ديريكتر اوف دي اوورد ويننج كوميونيتي ارتس كمباني دي ايمي بروجيكت بيتوين 2015-2019 عند بيدي استودي هير منتر كيرستي هاوزلي ديريكتر رايتر اند دراماتورج شي وان دي اوكسفورد سامويل بيكيت ثياتر تراست اوورد ان 2017 I don't know if you agree with me on that and I'm really curious to know about the role of mentorship in your own life as an artist. Yeah, I think I found yes, I I absolutely I agree and uh, I have had um the first thing to say is I have had brilliant mentors that may, maybe don't fit the sort of tr- traditional way that people would think of uh, think of mentors fitting. Um I found it tricky to find those people though. because um because i suppose the the processes that i use to make work and the kind of work that i make is maybe a bit outside what a lot of um british theatre does so trying to find somebody who could offer me useful advice rather than um why don't you try to do it a bit more like us um was was a challenge actually but um i mean formal mentorship i had a brilliant mentor called Annie Castledine who was um a long-term collaborator of complicity and um mentor uh, was assigned to me as a mentor um on a project but remained a mentor for a long time she, she just had extraordinary clarity um in the way that she could uh like x-ray vision she could look at what you were doing and exactly see um how to help um and that there are still things that she would say that i remember mm-hmm. now and i hear myself saying to other people um but i think also for me like just just to look um to look a generation up from me and try to look at people who perhaps even though they might have made very different work to me um or even work in different industries to me had followed a, a different path um and done things in their own specific way um that that's been really important um and also to be honest probably um 
probably finding my contemporaries who were on a similar journey was was sort of worth its weight in in gold actually finding those people that I could meet with regularly and connect with and and I almost feel like that's become more important as we've got older maybe it's because we're we're all slightly busier but um realizing how important it is to carve out time to meet and have those conversations about about where where we're all at has, has become really an important part of sort of uh, keeping me keeping me going and keeping me inspired and keeping me um sane oh nice uh hi nikki hi for you also mentorship and disconnection to the generation either younger or older was something in your experience as a theater maker and you initiated amy project if i'm correct oh i i didn't i didn't start it but i was the artistic director for five years but it, it for is five pretty, years yeah mm-hmm. and this somehow inspired ravi to start this gen fellowship right i i'm not entirely sure if that's the case but cool if it was i know that um i know Re- miriam has said that you know things that she was a mentor with the amy project and found a lot of what we were doing there impactful and influential but so i think it it helped inspired what it's become for sure yeah so if you can tell us on your early conversation with ravi about this gen fellowship and how you get involved in it i think in our early conversations about it um in you know Ravi and, and Miriam were very you know affirming that you know to take this opportunity as a time to like really focus on my own learning and development especially after having spent a lot of time both at the Amy project and elsewhere um building mentorship structures and doing like arts facilitation and things like that and I had sort of come to like a really natural place where I wanted to you know focus on my own skill development and you know my own creative voice and um invest time and resources in projects that I've sort of had on the back burner for a while and um an early step uh, that we had was we sat in um the boardroom at why not and just sort of brainstormed um people that could be good mentors and I was interested in both um you know deepening my work and directing but also in artistic leadership and so we and and a sort of central thing that I was interested in focusing on was you know I I felt like I had developed some things that Um, some strengths and competencies um kind of working more at the indie level with regards to like how I liked to build projects and build community around projects and produce things and you know uh and and I wanted more confidence to do that um in bigger spaces um you know maybe working with larger institutions uh and things like that uh, not because that's necessarily a value in and of itself I love working at the indie level and um in community but um that it seemed to be you know i it kept being asked of me more and more and i had a big uh, reluctance to um or or kind of like a, i needed support in understanding how i could sort of do work in the way i wanted to do it and with my values because my values were a really integral part of how i did work and why people wanted to work with me and why i wanted to work with them how do i do that in spaces where sometimes those values are kind of an- antithetical to the way those institutions are structured so we brainstormed lists of artists who you know kind of had the artistic expertise that i was looking for and had the willingness and the and the space and the uh, lived experiences to like to to um help me have those conversations as well as part of it and christian did it being a great mentor too because of her particular expertise in creating work in ways that are totally um innovative and form bending and her kind of like radical experimentation with designers and other artists really you know means that she's like constantly sort of challenging the status quo of in, in her context british theater 
Um, so that's been really useful um, to the conversations that um, I wanted to have and that we're having in the fellowship. Yeah, Kirsty, definitely this is like an exceptional mentorship because it's happening remotely. And maybe if we didn't have the pandemic, you would to spend some physical time together in a theater room. Um, was it easy for you to plan for your time with uh, Nikki? And what was your main focus in phase one? Yeah, I mean, luckily, so in a lot of the work that I do, um, it, it, it's work that's made um, made in, in the room together. So in a, in a similar way that the sort of mentorship was made over the series of calls, I didn't have I didn't have a structure in place. So we had an initial um, consultation call, and then from that we kind of identified what Nikki's needs were really, which, which were all, uh, you know, un- understandably a uh, process um, questions. Um, so things that are, were sort of really present for her because of the work that's kind of orbiting around at the moment and the, and the way that the nature of that work is changing um, at the moment and going forward. So, I mean, I think the first thing we talked about was, was just was devising, like a, what, what is a devising process um, for me and what are some of the techniques that I would use um, to give that a structure without having to impose the same structure on everything. So just kind of like a, going through a toolkit really mm-hmm. and then really really just following that thread through like what what is the process following that through all of the all of the different elements so the dramaturgy of something the design of something we spent quite a lot of time talking about design because again when you go into institutions and organizations they expect you to work along a particular timeline and that timeline is often not one that's suited to a collaborative process or a really um, curious in the room process which just has different deadlines and different needs so it's a tricky process of trying to br- bring those two things together and make sure that that you can meet the deadlines an organization needs you to meet but also that your process doesn't get compromised along the way so we've, we've, we've really focused sort of on that making your mm-hmm. own making your own work in an environment that's not really set up to support that Hmm. Yeah. Through your conversation, um, did you feel like there is a difference between how institutions, organizations, and even art projects are run in Canada and the UK? Were there things that you wished to have that they are in Canada or the other way around? I, I, I don't know what you think, Nikki, but it, it feels very um, similar to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we have different funding structures, I think. Um, different ways that um, that organisations are funded, um, but mm-hmm. but yeah, I think that um, it, tell me if this feels unfair to say, but um, but it feels like traditional work lives in big spaces, and more formal experimental work lives in smaller spaces and on the market. Certainly community-focused work is not something that sort of often finds its way onto the main stages, um, <laughs> you know, like you would find with, with, with sort of someone like Milo Rao, who's like running the National Theatre, who, um, you know, who's manifesto states that they work with, they, they work with community non-performers all the time. Um, we don't have the same faith in our theatre cultures that you can make 
that community art and great art can be the same thing, basically. We sort of see them as being separate stratas. Like, are you, are you making like high quality shiny work or are you making community work? Um, it seems like a basic sort of um, uh, flaw of both of our systems that they, they, they don't see that the best work when you combine those things together. Mm -hmm. And for you, Nikki? Yeah, no, I would agree with uh, Christy's uh, assessment there that there are, you know, differences and I think those differences are kind of small in the long scheme of things like for at least from my subjective experience which is you know relevant like I mean like larger institutions in the UK are older and um, you know I think um, Canadian theatre artists might get like like you know that's something that that might stand out that there's sort of different relationships to like you know time and um, like institution as a construct and um, you know, and also, like, Canadian theatre is still, like, less so now than maybe decades ago, but um, there's still, like, a big part of Canadian theatre-making culture that's really, like, preoccupied in defining Canadianness um, because, so, like, in sort of, like, early, like, in terms of colonial history of performance in Canada anyways, you know, a lot of the work of the of theatre was to articulate what it means to not be American and not be British, and so there was, like, this sort of oppositional energy which sometimes created great things and sometimes created things that were like deeply you know interested in like articulating like a settler vision of the country in like lots and lots of ways that you can see still in, in Canadian theater so I don't know how you know national identity sort of intersects even sort of on kind of like the subtle levels in British theater I'd be interested to think about that more but um yeah like that's sort of the main distinction I can think of but as Percy's saying I think there's still a lot of the same um, opportunities and tensions and challenges between uh, the two the two places. It's not terribly different, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, that this sort of also binary between this like sort of false binary between like art, art, and then like art that like actually engages with community and um, yeah, that's a, that's also like a central it's like thing to grapple with. That's um, present, I think, in both places that we've talked about a lot. Yeah, I, I can I can relate to that, and th this is one of the observations for me when I moved to Canada to compare also what I studied in Belgium and my experience mm. there and then when I came here and yeah, I could feel that strongly. Um, Kirsty, you have a twin? I have two, two girls, yeah. Two girls, yeah. Um, one of the things that I feel artists are still struggling with is this kind of neglect about how this art job is very demanding and there are challenges for artists to balance between the family responsibilities and the job and their passion, of course, for the job. How do you balance that? And what are the main challenges and how do you deal with them? Oh, it's so interesting, isn't it? That this, this conversation has been having, it's being had a lot in, in British theatre and um, there's, uh, there's still a tendency for it to be a conversation that women who make art have and that men who make art have the luxury of not having so in the kind of in the absence of any kind of like empathetic solution to this problem for families I've sort of positioned myself I suppose in more of the male role that um you know my, my partner's an actor and so he's just he doesn't make theatre anymore he um he films anything that can be filmed and can be filmed quickly he does but otherwise he stays at home and he looks after our children so I don't know what we do if we weren't in that position 
yes, it's a difficult conversation to have because I saw it on your list of questions and I thought, should, I, should we talk about this or should we not talk about this? But the reason I wanted to leave it on is because because I think that conflict's really interesting that there is a bit of me that just goes, I don't want to have to talk about this. Like, I wouldn't be talking about this if I was a man. But equally, it's a problem and it's still a problem for women. And even though I can sort of... Um, that we've found something that really works for us in our life and, and has balanced things um, brilliantly and enabled yeah. me to do lots of things, you know, even sort of when, you know, when Edith was 10 months old, we opened the encounter, you know. Yeah, I wanted to talk about it because a change will not happen unless we continue talking about that issue. And I was reading an article in The Guardian a few years ago, artistic director of a theatre in the UK, talked about uh, if you can have a tax-free babysitting for her children while she's working in the theatre, or if the government will subsidise the daycare for um, theatre maker, female artists, because like you said, it's still not fair between a female artist and a male artist when it comes to family responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that stretches across, like, politically, that, that's an issue that we have in kind of Western capitalist societies for everybody. Do you know, like, it's not just for artists. It's, you know, it's for it, it's for key workers. It's for people who are working in, you know, in the supermarket. It's for people who are working in care homes. It's for anyone whose work is not flexible and doesn't fit around school drop-offs and pickups, which is actually the majority of the country. <laughs> we're we're yeah. stuck and everybody's having to compromise between family life and work. And I really hope that if anything positive comes out of this lockdown, it's that people start demanding that actually their work fits around, that work and life shouldn't be, um, shouldn't be separated in the way that they are and that things are more flexible, that we can be more flexible more accommodating yeah i can agree with that uh nikki you're almost done with your phase one and you will start your phase two uh, i'm curious about uh, your plans after the whole program is finished i want to know how this fellowship influenced you to plan for your future what are your next projects what do you see yourself in the future doing it's really hard to um separate the fellowship from everything else because you know this fellowship has been completely timed with um, the pandemic, obviously, and also um, in my own sort of personal um, career and life this year, you know, before the pandemic was intentionally a time of kind of shift. Like I um, left my job at the Amy Project and sort of, and I went on a long trip around the world with my partner, which was interrupted because of the pandemic, but it was always supposed to be a time of kind of like transition where I wanted to sort of take space from or, you know, like I really enjoy all the work I was doing, but I wanted to sort of to take some space from some more, to do some development on projects and deepen some artistic relationships that I had and focus on writing that I was doing and make more time for, you know, uh, uh, lear- learning. And, and I actively wanted to seek out mentorship. So this year will, I, I imagine, you know, and already has been really formative because of all of those things, kind of personally and professionally. I, I have clear senses of directions I might go in, but I'm trying not to plan too actively. Like I don't have like a five-year plan. Um, I'm really certain that um, if that you know, well, the projects that I'm working on, a lot of them are, are moving in nice ways, and I'm excited, you know, just to hopefully realize those in a world where we can have theater again. I'm working on some film projects, which is really uh, fun and a bit newer for me. Um, I, I think it's likely that artistic leadership in one way or the other be part of my future. Um, 
I'm really invested in sectoral change as invested. I'm invested in like the community of the arts industry and, and equity issues and, you know, fostering space for innovation and excellence in ways that, you know, move us to be better across like all um, planes of existence and, you know, not just within the art sector. And so I can't continue to be an artist unless I'm also like asking those questions and finding places to practice answers to them. Um, so I think as long as I am, am an artist, I will want to be part of those things. That's just how I work. Um, but I'm really open to what that looks like. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, asking a lot of questions and I'm listening a lot and I'm, you know, seeing ways that companies are shifting, not just in terms of who's leading, but of how we conceive of leadership and collaboration. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited to see where things go and, I kind of jumped into leading a lot of things quite early in my career and I just like kind of now want to pretend I'm just at a theater school and, and experiment a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of leadership and future, I'm really hopeful that things are going in a good direction in Canada. Still, I feel there is something I miss here, which is the press or media relationship with artists. Hmm. Art journalism in Canada is still not that strong, and the relationship between artists and journalism is still not that. It's not going uh, as fast as like how we grow with the art community. I don't know if you agree with me on that, or if you've like had this experience or not. I think you probably have like a much clearer sense of that gap because you've lived in you know multiple different countries um and you know you've lived in, as as an artist in multiple different countries so i a i believe you <laughs> and b i i think yeah i mean um i've done a lot of like theater writing like not as a reviewer or as a journalist but you know i, I was editor of alt theater magazine for four years and so like deeply engaged with how people are writing about theater and like that is really important to me you know i think it's important for a number of reasons i think like it's important like we work in an ephemeral live art form and it's like critical to be able to like speak about it in different media um but also because like i, I also like the work that i'm especially interested in is like things that are happening created by artists and in forums and communities that aren't being like necessarily um explored in mainstream media like you know that, that isn't always in the, the globe or the post or whatever and so and like a secondary function of journalism is to archive what's happening in the in the, in the arts landscape and if if that's not being written about then you know, it's not being archived in a way where then it, its existence can be opportunistically denied or whatever. So for multiple reasons, I feel like writing is important about theater. And, you know, whether that's like actual text-based writing or podcasts or just other ways of like contributing to this archive and, yeah. you know, to how we see people reacting to work. So, um, like, and yeah, so having worked it from like that kind of like, from the like literary or the like arts magazine perspective, I, I see how there is there could be more engagement and yeah. I guess that, you know, I don't know, I, I don't, I yeah, don't know. Especially yeah. what I mean also highlighting the artists and, and, and oh, yes. present them and celebrate them, especially young artists, celebrate mm. them and present them mm -hmm. to the community and the, the society and people in, in general. Um, I won't keep you long. Yeah. Uh, Kirsty, I wonder what you're busy with right now. What are you working on right now? Um, so uh, at the moment, uh, you know, because of the nature of where we're at, it's it's only a mixture of um, development work and digital work. So mm -hmm. there are there are sort of projects that that were due to be live shows that that are, that are now becoming digital. Um, 
and you know maybe will be digital and and live but in the meantime um until we can all get back into theatres we're, we're finding a different way to share those sort of stories so a couple of those things before the end of the year and then some some sort of early development work on pieces that will that will have to wait until theatres open but for me there's there's like there's a whole load of prep and research and reading and writing and conversations that need to happen before you can get in a room anyway so all of that work is, is happening for me now so mm-hmm. yeah those things yeah final question to you i like to work with magic and fairy tales if i would give you the magic stick and you would change something in the theater world one thing what this would be to which one of us is that question it's a question for the two of you but you can go first yeah I think I think the magic stick. And this is something that I would like like for society in general, is to um, for people to have like wherever they are to triple or quadruple or quintuple their like ability and willingness to like engage in um, conflict um, with um, generosity for themselves and for the other person and a willingness to like hold ourselves accountable and to like really. Um, give ourselves time for nuance. I think that's critical for having healthy collaborations, for having safe collaborations, for having um, exciting work and for having equitable work. So I think, yeah, like having a lot more time, space, confidence and care to have like really good communication and and collaboration. And for you, Kirsty? Use my magic stick just to make tickets a lot cheaper. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, that's really great. Um, yeah, people are free. Like, yeah, to have subsidy at a level where where you can reduce your ticket prices, so that going to the national theatre doesn't feel like an investment for, for in this country, because it, it does right now. It you know, um, and it, uh, you know, and I, I don't blame the, those organisations whose ticket prices have gone up. Um, that, that the subsidy is not not high enough, um, and I think that everyone is just in, ev- everyone should be able to access this work. It shouldn't feel like a luxury. Yeah, so that's my magic. Yeah, I might use it to just get a base salary for every artist in the world that they don't have to worry about how to make a living. <laughs> I like both of your really like practical, specific, specific. magic wand things, and I, yeah. Thank you very much. That was really nice talking to you too. I wish we have more time, uh, but maybe next time for uh, this Gen Podcast Part 2. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Rima. Very Thank you. Bye. That was This Gen Podcast, created by Rima Jabber. If you would like to know more about This Gen Fellowship, please check Why Not Theatre website at whynot.theatre. Thank you.